0: Good morning. There's a basically kind of an underlying assumption and a premise that many of us have operated out of from about the time we were 12 or 13 years old. And that underlying premise, and I want to talk about that. We're going to unpack this this morning. That underlying premise that a lot of us kind of operate out of since those early years is this idea that rebellion is Equals freedom. I mean, if you look right now across the Middle East, isn't that basically the premise? Rebel against this dictator, overthrow, it will bring us freedom. That underlying premise there again, whether it's rebellion against God, whether it's rebellion against your parents, your boss, the government, the appeal to us was the best way to get freedom is through rebellion. Rebellion. And as long as you were keeping all the rules, you weren't really free. Fortunately, most of us, we kind of come into adulthood and the fog begins to clear and we realize rebelling doesn't equal freedom because we know jails and prisons are full of people who rebelled, but they've lost all their freedoms. However, there's still this insidious lie that kind of follows us into adulthood, and the adult version of this same premise goes something like this. If I disagree with the rule, I'll ignore it. If I disagree with the rule, I'll disobey it. If I disagree with the law, I'll just disregard it. It's the same deception, the same premise as rebellion equals freedom, it's just the adult version. Somehow I'm still going to be free, I'm still going to do what I wanna do, when I wanna do it, but instead of just dismissing all authority, I'll just take it one rule at a time, one law at a time. If I don't like the rule, I'll disregard it. If I think it's too extreme, if I think it's too irrelevant, if I think I have grown beyond that, one rule at a time, I'm gonna evaluate it, I'm gonna look at it, and if I disagree, I'll just disregard. Now every one of us in about five minutes or less could think of a situation where you've done exactly that very thing I'm talking about. 40 miles an hour, that's stupid. I'm gonna go 45. 55? Bah, that's ridiculous. I'm gonna go 65. Or you're filling out your income taxes and you get to your deductions and you're thinking, stupid IRS, this ought to be a deduction. I should be able to deduct that. And God would agree with me on this. So I should be able to take this deduction. Because God agrees with me, and I'm going to take it as a deduction, even though the IRS says, I can't. For you teenagers, there's the curfew. Stupid parents. Midnight's too early. It ought to be 2 a.m. Whatever it is, whether it's the speed limit, tax deductions, the curfew, employee policy handbook, there are many, many examples where because we don't agree with that, we're just going to disregard it. We started into this series last week, and the big idea of the whole series is there is an invisible world that impacts, affects, and influences our visible, seen world. This invisible, unseen world, it has the potential to impact us, not just physically, but it impacts our decision-making, it impacts our relationship, it impacts the way we view the world And it impacts everything around us. And we discovered you don't need a microscope to see this invisible, unseen world like you would if you were looking at germs. All most of us need is just a rear-view mirror. And that rear-view mirror, it represents our past, our past decisions, because every one of us in this room can look back on a decision, a night in our life, a weekend trip, a spring break, a stage, or a chapter in our life, and we would say, how could I have been so stupid? How could I have been that deceived? How could I have been so blind? How could I have been so confused? Now I'll admit, like all of you, I am all for authority, as long as I'm the one in authority. I'm for it, I love it. I'm all for submitting to authority as long as I'm the authority being submitted to, right? I love authority as long as I'm in charge. I think authority is great, especially when that authority supports my decision, right? I'd like to be able to call the police. I don't want to be chased by the police, Okay, I'm all for the police. And I like to call them to support me and help me in my time of need. I want to see their blue lights ahead of me, not behind me. I'm all for authority. But here's where the lie comes in. Somewhere along the way, it's in our culture, it's kind of embedded in our fallen nature, and it finds its beginnings way back there in the Garden of Eden. Somewhere along the way, when it comes to authority, when it comes to following and obeying laws and rules, our first response is to evaluate the what. What am I being asked to do? What is the rule? What is the authority asking me to do this? What am I being required to do, whether it's your parents, your boss, the government, the educational system, whatever arena you're in, our first line of response to authority because of this deception, this distortion from that invisible, unseen world is to question and evaluate the what. What am I being asked or required to do? And the deception is, if I disagree with the what, I can disregard the what without consequences. If I can disregard the what, and there's no penalty, then I'll disregard it. If I think this is a stupid speed limit, if I can get away with speeding without getting caught, then I'll disregard it. If I think the employee handbook For the company is just way out of touch with reality, way too restrictive, unrealistic. I don't see anybody else following these procedures, so I can ignore these rules without any consequences that I'm going to ignore them. Because our tendency and the way we're oriented because of this lie, this deception, We look at the rules and the authority, and our first line of response is, let's evaluate, let's look at, let's study what it says, what it's asking me to do, and if I disagree with it, and if I can get by with it, then baby, I'm free, and I'm not going to bother. It's not going to bother me a bit. Now, if I think I'm going to get in trouble or there are going to be you know, consequences, then I may adhere to it, not because I agree with it, but because I just want to avoid the consequences. Now, if all we're talking about you know, uh, is should the curfew be midnight or 1230, or is this a proper tax deduction or not, should the speed limit be 30 or 40, if it was just those kinds of issues, this wouldn't even be worth Talking about. But this is a big, broad, deep, insidious lie that impacts us at multiple levels. So there's a whole lot more at stake when you think about a 16 year old teenager who gets into a car with his buddies and a couple of six packs because, after all, that whole thing about, you know, underage drinking. I mean, that's for somebody else. I'm 16, king of the road. I can control my own destiny. So that 16-year-old, he evaluates the rules and the laws, and he just decides it's a stupid rule, stupid law, so I'm just going to disregard and ignore it. I know there's an open container law, but we think that's even dumber. And so I'm just going to disregard that too. This whole thing about drinking and driving, I mean, that's probably a good rule and a good law for other people, but I am not other people. My friends and I, we're pretty mature for our age, and I think we can handle it. So that 16-year-old looks at those rules, and he just says, no, thank you, I'm above that. And since I disagree with this rule, I also feel empowered to disregard it. You know, just like my dad did when he filled out his income tax and and didn't report all of his income. You know, just like my mom, kind of how she just disregards and, and leaves work an hour early all of the time, but she claims on her time card she was there. See, rules are made to be broken, they're for the little people, I am above and beyond all of that. And many of us operate from that perspective. I know what is best for me. And when it comes to rules, when it comes to authority, I'm above that because I'm different. Again, it's all about the what are we being asked to do. Now, when you open up the Scriptures, you will discover a different paradigm, and you will discover a different frame of reference. And here is where I want to unmask this deception Whereas the deception says that when it comes to authority, laws, and rules, it's all about the what. God says, no, 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 no. It's not about the what. It's about the who. The deception says I want to evaluate, I want to scrutinize each rule one by one, and if it applies to me, and I think it makes sense, and it works for me, then I am going to do it. And God says, no, 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 no. It's not the what. It's the who. We're going to look at Romans 13, but before we do, I want to give you kind of the context. Because the context in which the apostle Paul wrote the verses we're gonna look at is what makes them so powerful and really kind of unbelievable. What gives these verses credibility and kind of a weightiness is not just the fact that they're in the Bible, But the context in which these verses were actually written. Now, the book of Romans is a letter. It was written to Christians who lived in Rome. Probably why they called it Romans. I don't know. Now, there weren't many Christians in Rome during the first century because it really wasn't a good time and place to be a Christian. The emperor, some of you historians may know this, during this time, you probably heard of him, he's a pretty famous emperor, his name is Nero. And if you know anything about Christians and Nero, it wasn't a good combination. Nero burnt down the city of Rome and then he blamed it on the Christians. So he burned Christians at the stake, he boiled them in tar, fed them to, uh, fed lions to the, uh, Christians to the lions for entertainment. Christianity did not fare well under Nero. Now obviously Nero was a pagan, he was this horrible, terrible, just ruthless emperor. He didn't just kill, I mean, he even killed members of his own family. I mean this guy was just kind of a maniac. So Nero is in charge of the government when Paul writes this letter to the Christians there in Rome. So with that in mind, here's what Paul writes to those Christians living in Rome about the subject of authority. Romans 13, 1, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. Okay, wait, 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 whoa, Paul, time out here. Don't you mean we need to look at each rule? I mean, kind of just go down the list one by one, rule by rule, and kind of just evaluate and study them one at a time? Come on, Paul, you don't even know what the rules are here in Rome. I mean, you don't even know what it's like to live under this evil dictator, Nero. Who are you to be preaching to us? And Paul says, no, 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 no. We are making a huge paradigm shift here. You think it's all about each individual law and rule, and Paul says, I'm telling you, it's not about the what. This is about who, and you need to submit to the governing authorities. Then Paul goes on in Romans 13, one, he says, for there is no authority, none, except that which God has established. Now we need to just take a really big pause here, and you need to allow that to kind of sink in, because for a lot of us, this is unbelievable. Paul makes it very, very clear that authorities do exist and they have been established and instituted by God. There is no authority that exists on the face of the earth that was not instituted and put in place by God. And I know some of your response may be, well, you know, Paul's kind of talking about spiritual authority, you know, like rabbis and and, and priests or, or the pope or the pastor. No, 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 Paul isn't going in that direction at all. This verse goes on to say, the authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, Paul is pointing out to them a very, very important kingdom principle that you're gonna find throughout the Scriptures, and that is God always works through human authority. God always works through human authority. Authority. Now, again, if you'll just pause long enough and just kind of allow that spiritual concept to sink in, it'll make sense out of so much of life. And, and it will kind of help give you this sense of history. God always works through human authority. Now, listen very, very carefully. God works through good human authority and bad human authority. God works through righteous human authority, and he works through unrighteous human authority. God works through believing human authority and God works through unbelieving human authority. God always works through human authority. That's how God exercises his will on the earth. I'll give you some examples of that in just a minute. So Paul says, look, look, it is not about the what. You think it is, but it's not. It's not about the what. It's about who because God exercises his will. He has established his kingdom. He has established his authority through the human authorities that have been established and that God has allowed, to which many of us respond by saying, wait, Come on, the implications of this are kind of scary because that's like saying, if God established all authorities, then that means if I disobey my parents or I rebel at school, or I ignore something the company has asked me to do, or I don't do things the way the government says they should be, then the implication that you're saying to me is that to rebel or disregard those rules is kind of like rebelling and disregarding God. I know that's not what you're saying. I mean, Paul, you're kind of putting these things on a parallel to one another. If this is true, then you're making what I do at work a spiritual issue. You're making what I do at school a spiritual issue. You're making what I do on my income taxes a spiritual issue. Certainly, Paul, that cannot be what you're saying. Verse 2... Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. God has established and he is allowed and he has ordained the authority in your life, over your life. And as bad as I want to do this, and we've all done this, It goes something like this, okay, God, I, you know, I'm not going to claim this on my income tax because they'll never know the difference. They'll never find out. I'm not going to follow the employee policy handbook because that's irrelevant. It doesn't even apply to me. And I'm not going to obey my parents because they just have no clue what's going on in my world. I'm not going to do this, but God, I want you to know how much I love you. God, I I love you so much, and I just love to read the Bible, and I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? I love this spiritual thing we've kind of got going on, and I know, God, you agree with me on all of this that I don't need to do any of that because it's kind of dumb and it's unnecessary. Right? Paul kind of taps us on the shoulder here and he says, whoa, whoa, kind of wait, big time out here. You have fallen and been sucked in By the first lie that kind of started there in the Garden of Eden. Remember that? Where the serpent said to Eve, I know God said not to, but let's not worry about the who. Let's focus on the what, shall we, Eve? Does this make sense to you that we can't eat from the tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Think about that, Eve. Does that make any sense to you? Let's evaluate this. I've examined the rule, Eve. Doesn't make any sense to me, shouldn't make any sense to you, so we'll just go ahead and do it because you know what? It's about the what here, not the who. Who? And God says to you and me, here's the overarching principles. Are you ready? Your attitude and your response to governing authorities, human authorities, it is a reflection, an accurate reflection of your attitude and your response to your Father in heaven. Your response to the authorities you can see. It is an accurate reflection of your response to the supreme authority you can't see. To think that somehow we can come out from underneath the authority that God has established over us and at the same time be under God's authority is an extremely mixed up notion. You cannot be out from underneath the human authority that God has established and put there and under God's authority at the same time. This may be some of the things, and it may explain some of the things you've experienced as Christians because we so want to divide these two things, the what from the who. The Apostle Paul is just trying to tell us you're being deceived, you're falling for the lie, the distortion here. You think it's about the what you're being asked to do? No, 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 no. It's about who's asking. If there are authorities that God has placed over you, even temporarily, in the company, in the home, in your school, or wherever you are, and you rebel against those authorities, it is like rebelling against your Heavenly Father. This is what Paul's saying. And he wrote it to people who had the most reason, the greatest reason to be rebelling against the authority that was over them at the time. Verse 3, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. Now, listen to this next verse. If you're a government official, your president, or CEO of your own company, or your teacher, superintendent, principal, listen to this next verse. For he, the ruler, whoever's in authority over you, is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant and agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Here is a big heads up. For some of you, it is a just two by four alongside the head. Your boss. You know, the one who's so irreligious it's not even funny. Did you know that he's God's servant over you? He's God's agent over your life. But he doesn't even believe in God. It doesn't bother God because God works through human authority, the good ones and the bad ones. Are you telling me my parents are God's agent? I mean, I can't even remember the last time they darkened the doorway of a church. I mean, my dad is so anti-Christian, anti-religious. You're telling me my dad is God's agent? Oh, yeah, he is. That's what Paul's saying. But he doesn't even go to church. It's got nothing to do with that. Paul is writing this to Christians that are living in Rome under Nero. Because here's what God knew God works through human authority. But, Pastor, if you ever met my parole officer, the guy's the Antichrist, doesn't matter. God works through human authority, the good ones and the bad ones. And to rebel against the authorities which God has placed under you is the equivalent of rebelling against your Father in heaven. And see, some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, I've never heard this before. It's because of the lie of the enemy. Some of you may be sitting there thinking, I'm not even sure I believe this. Of course we don't, because we live in a world that is fallen and deceived. It's all become about the what, and we have lost sight of the Who? You need to understand God works through human authority toward you and I, whether they believe in him or recognize God or not. And your attitude toward human authority, governing authorities, is an accurate reflection of your attitude toward your Father in heaven, even though you may not realize it, because this is the way God works. And I'll give you some examples of that. Verse five is, if that wasn't enough, he says, therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment. See, that's what we do. I think this is a stupid rule, but if I don't keep it, I know I'll get in trouble, and I don't want to get in trouble, so I'll just do it. See, the only reason many of us submit to the authorities around us is to stay out of trouble. There's no spiritual connotation. There's no spiritual connection. We just want to stay out of trouble. My dad will kill me if I do that. Well, what if your dad would never find out, whoa, I'm all over that. So what are you saying? You're saying, I'm not doing this because I agree. And I'm not doing this because I know I need to honor my father and my mother. I'm not doing this because I think God's, you know, that he's God's agent over my life. I'm doing this just to stay out of trouble. And then Paul takes it to the next level And listen to what he says, he says, therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. In other words, it's just the right thing to do. And see, when you kind of begin to untwist and you kind of begin to unwind this deception and this kind of becomes part of your thinking, and when you're sitting there filling out your income taxes, again, you're not just accountable to the federal government who may never figure this thing out. This should be a matter of conscience because the federal government is simply God's agent, an extension of his authority over your life. That doesn't mean they're godly, but they are an agent of God. Then Paul gives us this illustration. Now, why in the world Paul picked this illustration or application, I don't know. But here it is, verse six. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. And I'm sure as they're reading this part, they're thinking, Paul, you don't even live here. I mean, you don't even know what the tax structure's like here. Paul, do you realize the immortality? immorality, our taxes, support here in Rome. Honestly, how many times have you complained about paying your taxes legally or illegally? This is nothing new. Isn't it interesting? The things they hated then are the things we hate now. They didn't like it then, we don't like it now. The excuses they offered up then are the excuses we offer up now. You pay your taxes not because the taxes are fair and just. You pay taxes because the government says to and the government was instituted by God and to cheat the government in your taxes is to cheat God. This is what Paul is communicating Couple minutes left, so if you're wanting to get out of here uh, because you're under such conviction, we'll go here in a couple minutes. See, following service, and I know some of you will do this, you're going to give me 50 reasons why the U.S. government is wrong. 50 reasons why the U.S. tax code is wrong. And I might be inclined to agree with you, but you know what? It doesn't matter. You might be exactly right. However... God established, God instituted, the authorities and the government. You pay your taxes not because the taxes are fair and just, but because they are representatives. They are agents of God over your life. And if you think for one moment that you can be right and tight with God and not pay your taxes, you're not paying attention the New Testament because, folks, it is not about the what, it is about the who. Sometimes people ask, are you saying we should never question authority? Oh, I say always question authority. But when you fall for the lie, when you question authority, then you kind of feel empowered to ignore or disregard or disobey it. When you get this straightened out in your thinking, you can question authority, but stay right underneath it. This rule is horrible. This law is terrible. I don't agree with it, but I'm going to go along with it. I will obey because ultimately this isn't about me. It's not about the what. It is about my heavenly father. It is about the who. And by honoring the authorities he has put over me, I am honoring him. You can write letters to your congressman, and I encourage that, questioning things. You can protest peacefully and let your voice be heard. Vote during election. Pray for those who are in authority over you, the scripture says, that you might live in peace. But don't rebel against those whom God has put over you as an authority because this isn't about what? It is about who? Well, pastor, what if my dad tells me to rob a bank or my boss tells me to do something illegal? The answer to those kinds of dilemmas are in this principle, and that's why it's such a powerful principle, because God works through authorities. So when someone in authority asks you To do something that you know is outside the bounds of law that's illegal, that could get you into trouble, you simply appeal to the next level of authority, but you stay under authority. Does that make sense? You just appeal to the next level up, but stay under authority. If the legal authority won't help you, then you know what? You appeal to God, and perhaps God will intervene on your behalf, but you don't rebel. You appeal and you just stay under authority because seeing a problem with the legal system or the law does not give us the right, the authority to rebel. And again, that's where the deception takes hold. See, if you'd have shown up back in the days when the nation of Israel was enslaved in Egypt, you remember those ungodly taskmasters, those unrighteous men who were forcing these Children of God to build idols and temples and pyramids and Pharaoh thought he was God and the Egyptians in no way recognized the Jewish God. See, if you would have shown up in that day, in that age, in those circumstances, here's what you would have said. God. The Israelites, they don't need to obey. They don't need to submit to the Egyptian authorities. They're not godly authorities. They're not righteous. They don't even recognize you as God. The Israelites, they just need to rise up, and God, they just need to rebel and take it to them and free themselves. God, you got to do something here. You know what God would have said? I am doing something here. You would have said, well, what are you doing? God would have said, I'm building a nation. See, if you'd have shown up at the time when Jesus was on trial, what would you have thought? Jesus, you could do something here. You don't have to take this from them. I mean, you yourself said you could call down a legion of angels, and they would come and rescue you. Come on, make that call. The Pharisees, I mean, they've abdicated their religious authority because they've gone outside the bounds of the Old Testament. I mean, they've hired people. They've paid people to lie about you. And now you're subject to the Roman government. Rome doesn't acknowledge you. Rome doesn't worship you. God, your son is under two wicked, evil authorities who are in agreement. They're conspiring to get rid of him. God, you got to do something. God said, I am doing something. What? I'm saving the world. God, you can use Rome, you can use the lying ungodly religious leaders in Jerusalem to accomplish your will to save the world? And God says, yeah, I am God. And I work through the channels of human authority. I don't care if they recognize me or not. That's how I do things, so be careful. Be careful, because I'm up to something in your life. I'm up to something in that screwy school system you're involved in. I'm up to something in that dishonest organization you're involved in. I'm up to something in that crooked business you work for. I'm up to something through your parents. You know, the one that believes in me and the one that does not. I'm up to something in your family. I'm at work. But if you fall for the lie. And you pull out because you don't like the what and you lose sight of the who, then there is a sense in which you're on your own because I'm telling you how I work. I work through channels of human authority that I have established when you understand it and when you don't understand it, when it makes sense and when it doesn't make sense, when it's godly and when it's ungodly. And that's why it is so imperative for those of us who are Christians, we should be the best citizens in the United States of America. Not because we don't ask hard questions, but because we ask hard questions absolutely under the authorities that God has established. Teenagers, you ought to be the best teenagers there are. Not because you don't ever question your parents' authority. They could be wrong sometimes, and I'm sure are. But you ought to be the most incredibly obedient sons and daughters, not because you're not smart enough, but because you understand it's not about the what, it is about the who. We need to be the most loyal employees, not because we agree with everything about our organization or workplace, but because we understand that our bosses have been placed in authority over us by God, and they are his servants over us. Again, it's not about the what, it's the who. And I'm telling you, this deception is so powerful and it is so deeply entrenched in our culture and it is a spiritual issue at its core. Your responses to the rules at work are spiritual issues. Your responses to the rules, the laws at schools and colleges your response to your authorities at home, it is a spiritual issue. And you cannot split these out because your attitude and your response to the authorities, you can see, it is an accurate reflection of your attitude and response to your heavenly Father who you cannot see. It's not about what, but who. Before Jesus went to the cross, broken his body. It shed his blood. And he knew what was being required of him to save the world. And as he wrestled with God over this plan of him going to the cross, he was under God's authority. He questioned. He wondered aloud. He asked, Father, is there another way to accomplish this? Let's talk about the what here, God. But ultimately, What did he say? Not my will be done, but yours. This is the ultimate submission to the who. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said, Not my plan, but your plan. Not my agenda, but your agenda. Not my purposes, but your purposes will be accomplished. And in the breaking of that bread and the shedding of his blood, it was the ultimate response to what God, that authority that he recognizes as Heavenly Father, as he placed himself under that authority and he said, I will do what you are asking me to do. I will allow my body to be broken, my blood to be shed, because Jesus knew it was not about the what, it was ultimately about. Who. So my question to you this morning, are there some things in your life this morning that you have been rebelling against, whether it be parents, whether it be uh, governments, whether it be uh, religious authorities, whatever that may be, as we kind of talked about this this morning, are you really kind of hung up on the what and you've missed the who in all of this? I just point you to communion this morning. Because this is ultimately not about the what, but the who. So this morning as we kind of, just gonna invite the worship team up here. So we kind of just close this morning. As we kind of just enter into worship, there'll be an opportunity for you to take communion this morning. I want that to be your heart's cry to God this morning. I want you just to be open and ask God, are you more focused on the what? And in the what, you've lost sight of the who. Maybe there's just, this morning, some of you kind of just need to surrender and submit and say, you know what, that, that, that person and authority over me that I've kind of been bucking and rebelling and disobeying, I understand now, it's not about the what, it is about the who. And God, this morning, as I come and just celebrate communion, I am celebrating that, you, that, that your son, Jesus Christ, didn't make it about the what, he made it about the who. And so this morning, God, The authorities in my life this morning, I don't want to make it about the what, I want to make it about the who, you. Because God, in submitting to them, I want to submit to you. And that needs to be our response this morning. So I'm just going to invite you to stand this morning and as we just close in worship, as you feel ready, as you feel led, you can kind of just come and take a piece of bread there and kind of just dip it in the juice and we'll partake by uh, communion this morning. So again, just uh, allow God to work in your hearts. Father, we just thank you this morning. And Father, we just know, Lord, that every heart is open before you, God. You see everything, God. There is nothing hidden from your sight this morning. And God, I just pray, Lord, as we uh, contemplate this message, Lord, as we kind of think and begin to untwist the lie, the deception that maybe some of us are under here this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you'll just open the eyes of our heart, God, give us revelation into what Paul was saying there. And that, God, ultimately this morning that we will make it, about the who, we'll make it about you this morning, not the what that we've been so hung up on and rebelling against. And God, knowing that as we have rebelled against that, God, we're rebelling against you and God this morning, we wanna just come under your authority, we wanna come under your submission. And this morning, that is ultimately what it is about. So God, whatever you need to do in our hearts and our spirit this morning, God, I just pray you'll move us in that direction, and we just thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.